The Jar Dreams. A story by Sky Oddsley. Chapter 1. Laura and Dan had been lost for the past few hours. They couldn't get cellular service on Laura's phone, either. The only maps in the back had been from her trip out west earlier that summer. They were the folded road maps of Colorado, Utah, and South Dakota, and were of no use to them as they drove eastward through the woods along the bottom lip of Lake Michigan. At least, that's what they intended to keep believing while the sun was still shining. It was 5.30, and the last time they'd seen the lake had been around 11 a.m. when they'd left the hotel. Dan was supposed to be navigating, but was tired of watching the spinning pinwheel on the phone's screen as the GPS struggled and failed. The first of their short and bitter arguments had come from him handing her back the phone and claiming it was a useless piece of shit. Laura was still tired from the night before and very hungry. At the wedding a day prior, Dan's family had provided an array of exactly the kind of food she was allergic to. It'd been a mutual decision to keep driving like this and stay somewhere new. An adventure, as Dan had put it. Giving them the chance to explore the areas of the Midwest they never knew existed. Plus, they'd be doing it alone, together. Creating memories and taking photographs. These were all the things they each used to convince one another to leave Highway 61 and instead tour the tip of Lake Michigan without a predetermined stopping point and no hotel reservation. It was something fun to them as they brushed their teeth together that morning. But now, that morning felt far behind them. What was intended to be a 45-minute drive to the next gas town had led them through a series of detours on single-lane gravel roads with little to no signs. The first had been an easy but taxing fix. First, they'd driven for 16 miles, only to find a bridge out with no warning. They, Laura, had then turned around and driven the same strip of road back in the other direction for the same 16 miles. Then, they'd returned to the highway and taken it farther in what they'd hoped was east. But that highway had ended as well only 26 miles up and spilled off onto a dirt road lined with unmanned construction equipment. After two hours, they'd come to a turn that forked off in opposite directions of right and left. The road was lined by high, thick pines and hadn't been properly equipped with signs of any kind. Instead, at the crossing, was a giant boulder 
placed to block vehicles from driving straight into the ravine behind it. Spray-painted onto this rock crawled the weaving green lines of a strangely menacing and spiritually unsettling upside-down R. Here, staring at the boulder and its wicked emblem, Dan had let Laura make the major decision of left or right. The construction equipment around them seemed abandoned and destroyed by a previous rainstorm. Dan looked at his own knees. They fidgeted back and forth. His legs were hot and his socks had begun to irritate his skin. He couldn't bring himself to look up and see her staring at him defeatedly, as if he were her child and not her boyfriend. There was both anger and pity in Laura's eyes as she glared at him, digging in the center console for her lighter while an unlit cigarette hung from her mouth. Her first cigarette of the day. For a girl trying to quit, it meant only one thing. She was done being happy. Which way should we go? She asked. Dan crossed his arms and looked out his window. He could tell how hungry she was by her paste-like voice. He didn't have an answer. His view from the passenger seat made him feel ten years old. And he fumbled his words, stuttering for the first time in years. He still couldn't look up at her and instead lifted his eyes to the spray-painted letter and squinted at it. I don't know, he said. Me either, Laura muttered, snapping the lighter and pulling its flame into the tip of her Marlboro. She rolled down her window, blew out a long drag, and rested her elbow on the doorframe. She stared into the rain-soaked tree limbs. I know you don't know, she said. Listen, I'm sorry, I'm just really hungry. Will you get me something out of the cooler and back? Dan jerked open his door and stepped out, slamming it behind him. His legs had gone numb and the cold slapped his back. He hadn't been out of the car in over six hours, but didn't take time to soak it in. He stomped around to the back of the car and opened the hatch, hurriedly digging in their small cooler that was now filled with standing water, all its contents floating like the wreckage of the ship. There were a few sunken bottles of beer. He really wanted to crack one open and slam it while he was out of her sight. After all, she was smoking. Why couldn't he have a drink? But the sad truth to his alcoholism was that there were only four bottles left, and he would need all of them later in order to sleep. Regardless of whether it was in the comfort of an unfamiliar hotel bed or laid out right here next to this cooler with all the doors locked and the car discreetly parked at some truck stop, the beers didn't look like relief to him but rather an ever-dwindling supply of necessary medication. 
It was the shaky-legged boy in him that was feeling at the long, cold neck of the bottle and turning it playfully in his hand. But it was the fearful man in him that told him to wait. Dan had always been proud of his patience and knew it was going to be tested further in the next few hours. Laura could have as many cigarettes as she wanted. He couldn't judge her for it. Drinking this beer would only inhibit his ability to take over driving, a subject he hoped would not be brought up until a destination was at least decided on. It was her car, after all, and he had paid for most of the trip, gas, food, and even the pack of cigarettes. Laura started coughing up in the front seat and chugged from a warm bottle of water, throwing the bottle back like a drunk cowboy. She was panicking now that she was alone. He saw her high, knotted ponytail wiggle as she twitched, her forehead rocking back and forth in the rearview mirror. Dan had the lid of the cooler, concealing most of his face as he watched her through the open back hatch. Dan's hand fished around beneath the bottles and came out with a cold, firm apple. It had turned from green to almost white. He wiped it with both hands and then grabbed a ziplocked bag of deli-sliced turkey. Only a few bits remained in the bottom, not nearly enough for half a sandwich. But he wiped the bag on his thigh and closed the cooler before slamming the hatch shut and turning his face into the oncoming wind of an approaching storm. It ran up the legs of his pants and into his sleeves. It felt as heavy as water and nearly pushed him back into the car, but he flexed to hold his balance and lifted his eyes up onto the horizon of the road. Between the two high lines of timber, a granite cloud was rising like a pair of claw-toothed tentacles up into the denim sky. It was alive with lightning that sparked and erupted, eerily silent. The cloud was growing rapidly, like a mythical beast from the surface of the ocean, its raised hands taking long, disastrous strides toward them. Each spark of light darkened the cloud further to the black of night. It was coming for them. Dan knew now that he no longer had hours, but only a handful of minutes before night would fall and leave them searching these woods in the dark. He was afraid of the dark, but kept it to himself. He had no one to share this fear with but Laura, and that would be a very bad decision at this point. Judging from what he had watched her do a moment before, he forcibly relaxed his shoulders and took a deep breath. He would have to pretend to be calm. He turned and slowly walked back the length of Laura's white station wagon, casually opening his door and easing back into his seat. He thought about mentioning the cloud, but figured it would only be moments before she noticed it for herself. Perhaps her view of it would be different, 
and shed new light on his contained sense of dread. She did, after all, always seem to enjoy thunderstorms and crazy-looking clouds. But most of those instances had taken place during relaxing, leisurely moments when there was time enough in their day to watch the sky like children, marveling at its vastness while holding hands. But they had never experienced a storm like this, as lost as children, as afraid as children. He squeezed at the small bag of turkey. I got you the rest of the food, he said. You can eat it and I can drive. He handed her the apple and the lunch meat, holding them out and resisting the urge to just drop them in her lap. She took a long, last pull from her cigarette and threw it out the window. The dark makeup under her eyes had been smeared from wiping at it with the backs of her hands, which were also streaked the same shade of sparkling twilight blue. The color reminded Dan of the cloud right behind him. Laura pulled open the bag. Within seconds, it was empty and thrown over her shoulder. Then she took a giant bite of the apple and struggled to pull herself away from it, chewing with her mouth open. The apple was working. Dan began to relax as he listened to her chew and snort for air over the large bites she kept taking. He loved listening to her eat. It was something strange he'd never told her. He didn't feel much like bringing it up now, either, but was thankful for the way it was making him feel. Okay, she said. So we've got two options. That upside-down R is kind of freaking me out, but I don't want to think about it right now. The R was scaring the shit out of Dan. Its two thin painted points hung limply upward like the legs of a dying insect. It was green paint, but the crawling sky had begun to turn it a glowing, cautionary yellow. Laura continued to pep talk herself while Dan just stared at the letter. Okay, she said again. So we got right, and we got left. Which one seems right? Right sounds right, because right is right. Right? It was a sing-songy question. There were held tears filling in her eyes. She must have noticed the cloud, too, and not said anything to him about it, either. He reached over and grabbed her hand, but let go immediately and instead ran it up and down the back of her arm. Then he forced himself to smile. Right sounds good to me, he said. He felt her arm grow cold, even as he rubbed it. She took another bite of the apple and pointed out the windshield with its core. I don't like that R, she said. Let's just go right, Dan said. That sounds good. And I'll try your phone again. Are you sure we shouldn't just turn around, she asked. 
It's a long way back from where we came, Dan said. And it's getting late. There's a storm behind us, too. I didn't want to say anything. I saw the storm, too, she said. I didn't want to say anything, either. Let's just go right, Dan said. I would think that an upside-down R would signify left, as in the reverse of R. Know what I mean? Yeah, she said. But if it says to go left, then why are we going to go right? Because I don't want to take advice from whoever painted that, Dan said. Right it is, Laura said, taking another bite of her apple. And let's not talk about the person who painted that. At least not until we're out of these woods. Her voice was drowned out by the first clap of approaching thunder. The sky had darkened around them and a heavy wind rocked the car in place and stirred the trees. I'm scared, she said. Dan stared at the rock. I am too, he said. But it's okay. Let's go right. That was your first choice, and it's mine too. There's bound to be a gas station soon. We haven't seen one in a long time, so we can't be far from one. This detour has to go somewhere, right? I haven't seen a detour sign in a while, she said. She rolled up her window as a hiss of rain began to whip around from inside the rows of trees. She flipped on the headlights, and the painted R morphed to a crystallized crimson. Like the shimmer of a blood trail in a hunter's flashlight glow, as it emerged from the darkness, the top lines took the form of sharpened horns, and its base became a set of eyes that gazed at them emotionlessly as a sharp grin grew along its face. They held their breath at the sight of it. Lori yanked the car into drive and cranked the wheel to the right, taking off at full speed. Their headlights bobbed into a thick and blinding fog. They could barely see the road. I'm scared, she said. Dan was scared too. Because only a short while after the turn, he noticed a car behind them. The fog grew thicker. The rain slapped at the windshield. Laura struggled in her seat, driving with the wipers at full speed and repeatedly pushing her glasses back up the bridge of her nose with trembling fingers. Dan was stiff. His eyes felt locked in place with bolt screws. He faced directly forward and upright with his back lifted from the seat just like Laura, but his eyes watched the rearview mirror, hoping it was just his imagination. But it was real.
There was a truck driving with its headlights off, half a car length behind them.